Thank you for downloading this sermon. We hope you've been blessed by this ministry. If you'd like to give back, please invest in the future of Clearnote Church through our capital campaign, Faithful Through All Generations. To make a donation, visit clearnotebloomington.com slash give. Please turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13. We'll be reading this morning from Matthew 13, verses 1 through 11. That day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea, and large crowds gathered to him. So he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on rocky places, where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus answered them, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, You will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. This is the word of the Lord. Today we're starting a new sermon series on many of Jesus' parables. So what is a parable? Simply put, a parable is a story used to illustrate a moral or a spiritual lesson. A parable can be very simple. It can be just a simile. Now, do you all remember what a simile is from, uh, I don't know, middle school? A simile is a comparison using like or as. There are all sorts of little short simile parables all over the place in the Gospels. You've got a bunch of them right here in Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven. 
like a treasure hidden in the field, like a merchant seeking fine pearls, like a dragnet cast into the sea. So parables can be little short things, or they can be longer, more detailed stories that have characters and a plot. Here in Matthew 13, what we just read, the parable of the sower at the beginning of Matthew 13 is just like that. It has a, it has a, a, a plot, and it has a character, some. The parable of the wheat and the tares later in Matthew 13 is just like that. It's, it's a story with a plot. Does any, do any of you know what the longest parable in the Bible is? Surely you know. Guess. What? No, no, no. That's, that, you're, you're cheating. It's the prodigal son, right? And if you think of the story of the prodigal son, if you know it, you've got all kinds of characters and you've got a plot, a long extended story. And so parables can be like that. They can be little short similes, just little short sayings, or they can be stories, extended similes, drawn out metaphors. But this is what all parables have in common, no matter how short they are or how long they are. Every parable has a point. Here's an idea. If you're going to tell a story, have a point. A parable, Pastor Bailey is fond of saying, is like a joke with a punchline. And if you don't get the punchline, you don't get the joke. And if there is no punchline, then there is no joke. There's no point. And parables have a point. Jesus often taught in parables, especially when he was preaching to the masses or to the crowds. You see this right here again in Matthew 13. The whole chapter almost is nothing but a string of parables. Verse 3, and he spoke many things to them in parables. Verse 24, Jesus presented another parable. 31, another parable. 33, another parable. He goes on and on teaching them, speaking to them in parables. In fact, from this point on in Jesus' ministry, this is how he almost always taught the crowds. If you have your Bible open, look down on verse 34. All these things Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables, and he did not speak to them without a parable. We're going to see through this sermon series the depth and the breadth of the parables of Jesus. He teaches about just about everything. The kingdom of God, the nature of salvation, forgiveness, prayer, money, self-righteousness, humility, heaven and hell, and on and on he goes, piercing into every area of life with the scalpel of his words. But why did Jesus preach in parables? And whom did Jesus teach in parables? Let's answer that question first, because that is very important for us to see. Look at Matthew 13, 1 to 3. That day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea, and large crowds gathered to him. So he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. So you picture this in your mind. The reason is acoustics, right? He's created for himself a, uh, what would you call it, a, an amphitheater, where he's removed from the people, they're standing around on the, on the beach, the water is carrying the voice, the sound of his voice across to them, 
So he's putting himself in a place where everyone can hear. This is a huge crowd. And it says, And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. Look down at verse 10. The disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Do you see that? That's the question. The, the, the disciples never say to him, why do you speak to us in parables? What they say is, why do you speak to them in parables? Why do you speak to the crowds in parables? Now, why would they ask that question? They ask that question, for one thing, because this seems to be a turning point in Jesus' preaching. This seems to be something new. And if you look at the chronology of Jesus' preaching, it seems like he starts using more and more parables from this time forward. This is kind of new. They're wondering what's going on. But there's more to it than that. The disciples, I think, are worried about the crowds. They're concerned about the crowds. They want the crowds to understand what Jesus is saying. The disciples have the ability to ask Jesus what he means when he gives a parable. They seem to do this often, and Jesus seems relatively happy to explain himself. Sometimes he seems a little, just a little bit impatient with them, but generally he'll answer their questions. You see it right here in verse 18, where he says, hear then the parable of the sower. So the disciples are sitting with Jesus in this boat that's removed from the shore, Crowds are over there on the beach, listening when Jesus is speaking to them, but then he turns to the disciples and says, now I'm going to tell you what that means. And he tells them, not the crowds. You see this also down in verse 36. It says, then he left the crowds and went back into the house, and his disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. So the disciples have direct access to more information about the parables, but the crowds don't have that. When he's speaking to the crowds, he presents the parable and then often says something like verse 9, he who has ears, let him hear. There it is. I gave you the parable. If you have ears, you'll hear it. If you don't, you won't. And the disciples are confused by this, maybe even a little, a little concerned about this. Master, don't you want them to understand? What are you doing? Are you trying to be difficult? Are you trying to be hard to understand? If we don't understand, if we have to ask what, what does that mean, then how are they going to get it? And so that brings us to the question, why does Jesus speak to them in parables? Why does he speak to the crowds, to the masses in parables? Look at verse 10. And the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them? Notice the question. Why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus answered them, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him more shall be given, 
and he will have an abundance, but whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing, they do not see, and while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, you will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive, for the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears, they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. For truly I say to you, that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So why did Jesus teach the crowds in parables? Jesus taught the crowds in parables in order to divide. He taught in parables in order to distinguish, in order to cut. This is what Jesus always does. He, he comes bearing a sword, and the sword cuts and divides. He taught in parables in order to reveal the nature of the hearers. This is not what we assume about parables, is it? We assume that Jesus taught in parables in order to reveal the truth in order to uncover the truth, in order to make the truth more plain. We think of parables as if they're just really good sermon illustrations. I mean, the best sermon illustrations that could possibly exist because they come from Jesus. And a sermon illustration is good only if it makes the truth more obvious. But that's not what our Lord says. He does not say, I teach in parables so that the crowds will understand me better. No. He says he teaches in parables in order to reveal the kind of heart we have. What kind of eyes and ears we have. Jesus is teaching the truth of God about all kinds of things in his parables, sure, but nothing is wasted with God. He can do more than one thing at a time. He can teach the truth of God and at the same time teach us about ourselves. And he uses parables because parables teach us not only the truth of God, but also the truth about ourselves. And here's the truth about ourselves. There are two kinds of people in this world. Two kinds of people in this room. Those who know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven and those who don't. Those who have and those who do not have. Those who see and those who do not see. Those who hear and those who do not hear. Every one of us falls into one or the other side of a division, of a cut. Everyone falls on one side or the other with nothing in between. The reality of division runs all through this chapter. 
and we'll see it as we unfold it through this series. And the parable of the sower that we just read, it's the difference between good, fruitful ground and bad, unfruitful ground. It's the difference between the wheat and the tares. It's the difference between the good fish that are pulled in by the net and the bad fish that are pulled in by the net. There's a difference. There's one or the other. Our Lord Jesus Christ is constantly doing what we hate to do. He's constantly making divisions. And here, the division in mankind is seen by how we hear his parables. So, do you understand them or not? Can you hear them or not? Whether or not you can see and understand the meaning of the parables has nothing really to do with the parables. It has everything to do with you. This is how God's word always is. This is how the gospel always is. Some people hear it. They hear the word of the Lord. They hear the gospel and they find themselves coming to life. They hear it. They're humbled. They're broken by it. And at the same time, they're enlivened and strengthened by it. Other people hear God's word and they throw up walls, they dig in their heels, they stiffen their neck. And the more, the more they hear, the more hostile they become. That's happening in this room right now. Right now. So what's going on? Is there something wrong with God's word? God's, God's word doesn't work sometimes. Sometimes it, 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 it's not, it just doesn't do its job. Is that what's going on? No. God's word always does its job. Always. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 to 16. Listen to this. This is the Apostle Paul talking about his ministry and his preaching. Here's what he says. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, an aroma from death to death. To the other, an aroma from life to life. This is what God is always doing with his word. He's bringing life to some and bringing death to others. Softness to some, hardness to others. Sight to some, blindness to others. Same word, same message, totally different effect. You see this everywhere in the Bible. The apostles preach to a crowd, and some in the crowd are filled with hope, some are filled with rage. Some repent and believe, some pick up stones to kill the preacher. This is what always happens when the word of God goes forth. And the same thing is true of the parables. Same parable, 
Different ears, different eyes. But now, here's where it gets gnarly. Why? Why? Why do some have ears to hear and others don't? What we want to say is that some people are good and other people are bad. Or some people are smart and other people are stupid. Or some people are spiritual and other people aren't. Or some people just choose to listen and other people choose not to listen. And of course, we are in that first category, right? We are the good, smart, spiritual uh, folks who choose to understand. That's us. Now, I could preach a sermon all day long with that as the main point, and there'll be 100,000 sermons preached today with that as the main point. You need to have ears to hear. You need to listen to God. You need to open your heart and let Jesus come in. He's done all that he can do, and now he's standing there waiting for you to do what only you can do. He's done his part, now you have to do yours. A couple of problems with that. One problem with that is that's not who we are. There are none good, no, not one, Scripture says. There are none who understand. There are none who seek for God. Well, that's a problem. The other problem is what Jesus actually says. What does he say? And the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus answered them, to you it has been, what? Granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. The ability to see, the ability to know, the ability to understand, the ability to believe, all of that is a free gift of God's grace. Why do you see? But your neighbor, your father, your sister, don't. Why is it that the same word can go out into a room and some are hardened and some believe? Why is it that in one family you can have a whole bunch of children and some who have all the same stuff, but some believe and some don't. Some see and some don't. Why do you see? To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. That's why. 
God alone can give you the ability to know the truth. Otherwise, you're not able to. Jesus himself said in John chapter 6, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. He says, No one can come to me unless it's been granted him from the Father as a gift. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 16 about this. It says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you. Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. That's how it works. It's the only way it can work, because we come into this world sin wrapped in sin. We come into this world with hearts that hate God and love the darkness. That's how we come. Standard issue, standard equipment, hard hearts, hard, wicked, evil, unbelieving hearts that turn away from the living God. That's how we come. And if we're ever going to be any different, it has to be because God gives that to us. And that bothers us, doesn't it? We're Americans. We want to be in control. We want to have God as our co-pilot. Yeah, that's it, co-pilot. Sit over there. You sit over there. I've I've got it. If I need to take a nap, you can, you can come on, but I, I've got it. You're my co-pilot. Our attitude towards all of this is summed up in a famous but really completely terrifying and disturbing poem. Uh, you'll hear it quoted all the time by people who think they're saying something noble. By a guy that no one knows except for this one poem. His name is William Ernest Henley. And the poem is called Invictus. Maybe you know that poem? It means unconquered. I'm going to read it to you. And I, I, your skin should crawl if you, if you listen to what he's saying. Listen. He says, Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears, 
looms but the horror of the shade. And yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. That's us. A man standing before death and judgment. I don't care what's written on that scroll. I don't care how narrow the way is. I am the master of my fate. This is us shaking our fist at God. This is how we come. I will hear you if I want to. I will know you if I want to. I will let you save me if I want to. And no, there's nothing you can do about it, God. This is up to me. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. But that is not what our Lord Jesus Christ said. He said, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. No one can come to me unless it's been granted him from the Father. Our Lord's apostle, the apostle Paul, said, by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul says, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. He said, so then God has mercy on whom he desires, and he hardens whom he desires. And when we hear that, we, we want to rebel against that. And we want to say, well then, why does God still find fault for who can resist his will? To which the Apostle Paul has an answer, doesn't he? His answer for that is, on the contrary, who are you, O man, who answers back to God? The, one, the thing molded will not say to the molder, why did you make me like this, will it? This is the gift of God. So what do we do with that? What do we do with it? Well, let's look back at Matthew 13. And look down at verse 16. Yeah, let's start earlier. He says in verse 11, To you it's been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, 
To him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. If you have ears to hear, you're going to learn from these parables, and you're going to have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. In this case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, you will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull with their ears. They scarcely hear and they've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart and return, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes. Because they see in your ears, because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. What do we do with that? Well, ask yourself the question. The most obvious question is do I see? Do I hear? Do I understand? If you do, you're what? Blessed. Praise God that you are not the master of your own fate. You are not the captain of your own soul. You've been caught. And been given a gift. It's been granted to you. To know the things of the kingdom of heaven. But what if you do not see or do not understand. The real question is, do you know that you don't see or hear or understand, and do you care? Once when Jesus was walking down the road, he came upon a man who was born blind. And his disciples asked him, remember the question? Lord, teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that this man was born blind? And what does Jesus say? Neither. This man was born blind so that I could heal him. That's what he says. And so that's what he does. He heals him. The man who was born blind could now see. And everybody's amazed. Isn't this the one who used to sit and beg? No, 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 no. This is just someone who looks like him. But the man who was born blind said, Yes, it's me. I'm the man who was born blind. And that man, whoever he was, because I never saw him, made me see. And so the people brought the man to the Pharisees. And because the Pharisees hated Jesus, what did they do? They made fun of the man. They tried to discredit him. They scorned him. And they kicked him out of the synagogue. Which was to be banished from everything. And when Jesus had heard that they'd kicked him out of the synagogue, he found the man and he said to him, 
do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man answered, well, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him and he is the one talking with you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said this, listen. He says, for judgment I came into this world so that those who do not see may see. And that those who see may become blind. That's kind of like a parable, isn't it? And those of the Pharisees who were with him and heard these things said to him, we're not blind too, are we? We're not talking about us. And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say, we see, your sin remains. Who are you? There's a division, and it's happening right now. Which side are you on? Are you the Pharisee who thinks he can see just fine? Thank you. You don't need anything. There's nothing to see. I can see just fine. Or are you the man born blind who knows he's blind? You know it. And if you know that you're blind, do you care? If you think you can see, Jesus has nothing to say to you. Nothing. Nothing. Go on. But if you know you're blind, and if you care, well, sounds to me like you have ears to hear. Blessed are your ears, and blessed are your eyes. And if you know that you can't see, what's the blind man do? Comes to Jesus. He comes to Jesus. Jesus will give you eyes to see. Come to him. Come to him. He is full of mercy, and he will give you what you need. So come. Let's pray. Father, we do come. We come to Jesus knowing that there's no way we would come to him unless you were drawing us. And so we come to him. I pray for all of those here. I pray for all of us that we would all come, that you would give us eyes to see and give us ears to hear. Give us the ability to understand and know the things of the kingdom of heaven. We pray, Lord, for all of our children. We pray for those that we love, the people we live with and work with. We pray for the people who think that they're just fine. 
that you would cause them to see that in fact they're blind. Give them true sight. Cause all of us to be humble before you. Give us, Lord, give us to know, to see. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.